Please stand, if able, for the call to worship. A mighty wind has blown, and tongues of fire have danced. The presence of the Spirit is with us, just as Jesus the Christ promised. The presence of the Spirit moves and gathers us into this community. The Spirit moves us to lives of nurturing and challenging one another, celebrating and witness. Let us marvel at God's power, God's power at work in and through us.
Good morning and welcome to worship here at Southside this morning. This is Memorial Day weekend, a day that certainly is set aside to remember those who have given so much as we think about that and, and observe that tomorrow. But it also usually takes people away from us and, and traveling in various places. And today it even took our preacher away. Dr. Roxburgh is away on vacation today. And so uh, he will be back next Sunday but we will uh, hope that he has some rest as well. Today, as we worship together, we do come together to celebrate and to worship the one true and living God. And as we do, we want to welcome each and uh, every person that's here to let you know that as we come together, we come together as brothers and sisters, wherever you come from, wherever you might be today, that we are one together as children of God. And so we seek to understand each other better. We seek to call forth those gifts from one another as we are uh, members of God's family in this place, but also to welcome those who are guests, those who may not have been here before. We want to extend to you the peace of Christ, and we will do that momentarily, but we also wanted to have you sign the registration uh, booklet at the end of each pew. If you see that uh, and can put your name there and any other information, that would be a great help to us. Southside Baptist Church is here in the heart of Five Point South, building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond. And a part of that is to welcome all into this place with arms open wide as Christ has received us. So may we pass the peace of Christ now and let each other know that Christ is here with us. I do think we are making some progress uh, in filling these portions here. I see nice folks here and there and yonder, and so uh, I, once again, we'll make any invitations to anyone who sits back there in Shelby County um, uh, to, to come join us here in Jefferson County uh, anytime you wish. Uh, that would be good. There you go. Um, it is good to see you all this morning. It is a beautiful day outside, and as they say, it's a beautiful day inside. You'll notice that we are, are minus some folks and we're back plus some folks uh, in the choir. Our Martinson scholars especially uh, are parts of two, right now, two different choral organizations, uh, one at UAB uh, and several of those guys are in New York City this morning. Um, they will be singing at Carnegie Hall tonight. They sang uh, in various places uh, before getting there but uh, they'll be back with us next week, several of them will be. Uh, and so we're glad to welcome back to other world travelers from the University of Montevallo Concert Choir who just sang in some little known places like uh, Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, 
<laughs> and some uh, uh, and lovely places in uh, England, including St. George's Chapel uh, in Windsor, not, not, not around the time of that uh, little wedding that they had over there recently. So we're glad to have Faith and Aubrey back with us uh, today, and, and all of our group, as we always do. Uh, but it's, it's, it's good to work uh, with one another. Uh, it is Trinity Sunday in the uh, liturgical calendar, and therefore, uh, Dr. Uh, Kelly and I are wearing white, but I'll be—I'll give you a little secret too. The uh, the choir is white, looks really terrible with the cream-colored robes. So the other Trinitarian color is gold. So we've got gold with the choir, and uh, so all is well uh, with our liturgical colors. But it is a, a day when we celebrate the Trinitarian idea—the the, the uh, uh, Triune God, God, uh, uh, one God. In three, as we did in our first hymn, and we will again in the coming hymn, as it were. We also give God glory for all that we say and that we do, and may we continue to do that. Uh, let's pray, and we will continue to sing and worship. Heavenly Father, we ask that we may enter further into this time of worship in a spirit of unity, in a spirit of love and grace knowing that we can leave from this place to serve you, that we can love you better by our service, that we can love you better by our loving one another and our fellow humans. Be with us and guide us in all that we say and do, and may we always do this for your great glory and not our own. We pray it in the name of our Creator and, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May we stand as we sing number nine. Holy God, we praise your name. Hymn number nine.
Our first lesson from scripture today is found in the book of Isaiah, the first eight verses. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. This ends our first lesson from Scripture. Our second reading is from Romans 8, 12 through 17. This is the New International Version of the Bible. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the second reading.
morning. How are you doing? I'm really glad to see you today. <laughs> are you finished with school? Got, got some good plans for this summer? Nothing? So you can just do whatever you want to? That is great, isn't it? I know that good feeling. You know, I was, I was thinking about um, Jesus and uh, was when he was teaching and walking around on earth. And most of the important things that he told us, he told in stories. And these were called parables. In fact, I think the, the, um, the things that we remember that Jesus told us, he told us in stories. Do you, do you remember a lot of stories? Sometimes? Maybe sometimes. I think all of us do. We remember stories that people tell us and stories that we read. And I think that authors, when they write their books, they're trying to to give us a message or an idea. You think maybe? Well, one of my very favorite books of all time is called A Rainbow Fish. Have you ever heard of that? No, it's a, it's a really, it's, it's fairly new in the last maybe five or so years. And every time I read it, I remember why I like, I like to read books. And a little bit about the story, this is The Rainbow Fish. And something special about him is that he has really beautiful shiny scales have you ever felt a fish's scales before sort of hard okay he had these beautiful scales all over his body in fact they called him the most beautiful fish in the whole ocean and this is what he looked like now they said come on rainbow the other fish said come on rainbow fish come play with us but the rainbow fish would glide past proud and silent letting his scales shimmer so he didn't really think that he wanted to have much to do with the other fish. And one day a little blue fish swam by and said, wait for me, please give me one of your shiny scales. They are so wonderful and you have so many. Have you ever wanted something that someone else had? Yeah, I think we all have, I sure have. But that rainbow fish, he was just mad. He said, you want to give me, you want me to give you one of my special scales? Who do you think you are? Get away from me. Hmm. What do you think about that? He was greedy. The little bluefish swam away. He was so upset that, you know what he did? Probably what we all would do. He told everybody how that rainbow fish had behaved and how he wouldn't share, give him the scales. And that made everyone else pretty angry. And they would have nothing to do with the rainbow fish. They turned away when he swam by. So he's, he's just all by himself. Nobody will be around him. Would you want to be around him? No, me neither. And Rainbow Fish realized that he was pretty lonely and he was pretty sad. And he saw a little starfish and he said, I'm really beautiful. Why doesn't anyone like me? I don't know, said the starfish, but if you go find the wise octopus, maybe she can help you. So he went and he found the wise octopus. And... The wise octopus was pretty smart. She said, I've been waiting for you. The waves have told me your story, and this is my advice. Give a glittering scale to each of the other fish. You will no longer be the most beautiful fish in the sea, but you will discover how to be happy. I can't, said the rainbow fish. You think you like to hear that? I don't think so either. Give away my scales, my beautiful shining scales. How can I be happy without them? 
then the, suddenly he saw the little blue fish that he had, he had talked to earlier. And the little blue fish said, I'm sorry, don't be mad at me. I just wanted one scale. The rainbow fish thought, well, maybe I won't miss one scale. He carefully pulled out the smallest scale and gave it to the little fish. Thank you so much, the little fish said. You think he's going to tell everyone? Yeah. A peculiar feeling came over the rainbow fish. He watched the little blue fish swim back and forth with his new scale. The blue fish whizzed through the ocean, and it wasn't long before everyone had heard what the rainbow fish had done. Everybody wanted a scale. So the rainbow fish shared his scales left and right, and the more he gave away, the more delighted he became. When the water around him filled with glimmering scales, he felt at home among the other fish. Finally, the rainbow fish had only one scale left. His most prized possessions had been given away, but he was very happy. Have you ever felt like that when you've done something good for someone else? Don't you feel? Here I come. Come on, rainbow fish, they said. Come and play with us. Here I come, said the rainbow fish, and happy as the splash. He ran away to join his friends. And they all have a little scale. He shared, he shared his scale with them. And you know, I was thinking about the stories that Jesus told us. You know, when he, when he told the stories to his disciples or his friends, he told us, you know, how much God loved us, how much God wanted us to enjoy life, to be happy, to help each other, to learn what the important things in life were. And and right there at the end, Jesus told his friends, he said, I want you to go out. I want you to share your, what you know about me with everybody in the world. Tell them about God. Tell them how much God loves them, how much he cares for them, and how he wants his world to be happy. And you know what? His friends did that. His disciples did that. They traveled around the world, and they shared what they knew about Jesus with everyone not just people just like them, but with everybody in the world. And I think that's what Jesus wants us to do, to go out and tell about him. And we find that when we share with other folks, we gain a sense of happiness and love too, just like the rainbow fish. So, this is not really like the rainbow fish. It's the wrong color, but it does have little scales and just like the rainbow fish gave away his scales, this says, go tell the good news to everyone. Let me give you one of those. In fact, you could have two of these. And, this, and if you find someone that you know, you can give them one of these scales too. Okay? You think you could do that? Tell people, your friends or your family or your neighbors, what you know about Jesus and, and share what you know. Let's say a prayer, Okay? Dear God, thank you so much for this beautiful day. Thank you for this summer season. We thank you for our family and friends. We ask that you help us be like the rainbow fish, to give away the good things that we know and share with other folks about Jesus. And help us to have a happier life because we are kind to each other. In Jesus' name, amen.
Would you join me in prayer? Loving Lord, we, your children, come before you today. We gather here to worship you, coming humbly before you, the one true and living God. You are the creator and the sustainer of life. We offer to you our thanks for the blessings we have received from you, for the blessing of salvation and abundant life through Christ, for the blessing of freedom that enables us to freely assemble in this place. We thank you, Lord, for those who gave their lives that we might experience the life we enjoy today. We thank you, Lord, for those faithful who have gone before us and prepared the way, for the blessings of having more than enough to sustain our life, we give you thanks. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing of a loving community, a community of faith that encourages and upholds one another, that worships you and seeks to draw closer to you and to one another. Oh, Lord, we thank you for all of these and more. And we also come asking you, gracious Lord, to open our eyes to those around us, May we also see those who need to be blessed by us as we engage in your kingdom's work. Relieve us, Lord, of all of our personal biases. May we understand and apply the gospel apart from all the cultural influences that may change our understanding of your intentions. Lord, I ask that we might minister to all that are around us. May your spirit guide us in all facets of our life, in our prayer life, in the times we study together and worship together. May we offer prayers that are from the depth of our being, prayers for peace as we offer today. Peace around the world. We pray, O oh Lord, that there might be those who no longer will experience the bloodshed as they live in places that are filled with conflict and war. Grant, O oh Lord, wisdom and knowledge for national leaders, those in the world and various places that make decisions every day that affect so many. We pray also for those needs of those gathered here, immediate needs that may be present, for those whose hope is shattered for those who are facing the realities of a debilitating disease, for those who are grieving the loss of someone very close to them. We pray with all earnestness for those individuals whose heart is restless and wandering and needs to find true rest in you. Thank you, merciful and loving God, for all your blessings and for the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom's work. Today, O oh Lord, hear our prayers as we, your children, gathered to pray, praying as our Lord taught his followers to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen. for 
blessing us today. We are always blessed by the choir and all the music that you bring, but um, we don't get to hear you very often. So it's good today to be able to, to worship with you. And he arranged himself, so we were, you were, we were blessed by you. And Sarah, thanks for playing too. And Bonnie, thanks for coming and um, sharing with Ryder this morning. Typically, it's a little more, a little more activity up here, but Ryder, it's good to have you here today. And um, Bonnie had planned that lesson for you, and I'm glad she did. And you've got something to go forth and carry with you in the days to come. So today, as we gather, it is a special weekend in, a, uh, in many ways, but the fact that it's a holiday weekend, Memorial Day, we don't want to lose sight of that and find ourselves just celebrating and having fun and enjoying it because it's a holiday that is designated as such because of great sacrifice. Sacrifice that was made by people throughout the years, through the centuries actually. And for that we are very grateful because it is because of that that we can come here and celebrate together to worship, to worship freely to also leave this place and know that as we do, we have the freedoms that we can enjoy. Today, as we think along those lines too, we also know that it's a special day because it's Trinity Sunday. Now Trinity, I think that may be why Dr. Roxburgh chose to be gone this day because Trinity is a, can be confounding for us to explain, to understand. We know that we experience it. We know what we understand it to be. But I don't know that anyone can really, really define it very well. Billy Graham actually said that Trinity, the Trinity is Christian's definition of who God is. And if we think about that in light of, of where we are and what we understand about the Trinity, we know that it's, it is a difficult concept. But we know we benefit from all aspects of it. I'm not going to try to tell you and explain it all to you, to use all kinds of illustrations or uh, object lessons of an egg or ice or whatever it might be to try to explain it. But simply to say that what we do know about it is that it is the essence of who God is. And as we understand that and we reflect on it, we can understand that people who have spent their lifetimes trying to define it and haven't really been able to do so, that it, there is a mystery to it. And thank God there is a mystery to the Trinity. Today, as we think about the Trinity and also as it relates to Isaiah's call, we need to know also that in all of Scripture, there's no real definition of the Trinity. In fact, it's only alluded to. There is the idea that at the very beginning of the world, when creation, when God created the world, that there's a reference that God makes or scripture makes to there being, it being we or plural. And here in Isaiah's call, it also is a reference to who will go for us, as we'll see in just a few moments. What we do see in scripture, though, is this, and that is that in, in God's activity, that in God's presence, that we see a God of action and purpose that's fully involved in all of creation. It's a God that's involved in your life. Sometimes we think that our life is too minuscule, that we don't really matter, but 
God is involved, and we see that present day by day. The words of Charlotte Muthan, a church history professor and also a theologian, speaks directly to this as far as the Trinity goes because she says the Trinity is classically understood as we know it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But it may be more helpful to us to think of it in this way. To think of it in terms of God's activities. God creates. God redeems. God sanctifies. God creates the world, giving each of us life, sustaining that life. God redeems each of us and bears all of our pain. God calls each of us and sends each of us out to love the world. God is at work in all aspects of the world today and has been since the very beginning. And it's seen in our text today as we look at Isaiah's call, for we see a man who was called to do a very difficult task. But before he was called, he came to a humbling revelation about himself. Now, most of us have also been there. And if we haven't yet, we will. At some point in time, we get to that place where we come to understand who we are before God. Isaiah was one who was a strong prophet, for he delivered some really heavy messages. He did his prophetic work during the days of King Uzziah and Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah. You would think that maybe if he was called, if it's a book about him, it would be at the very beginning of the book. Why not just start out with Isaiah was called and have this, this at the very beginning of the book. But there, has, there had to be some background work done, some foundations laid. He was a prophet in Judah. In the time that he prophesied, there was, as King Uzziah died, they had enjoyed a long period of prosperity. In fact, they hadn't had this kind of prosperity and peace since the days of King Solomon. And so everyone had sort of gotten fat and lazy, and they'd gotten accustomed to everything being okay, and they enjoyed it. They'd expanded their territory. They had actually lived more fully than they had before. They'd enjoyed peace. There'd been no, nothing to worry about because they believed as long as King Uzziah was on the throne, all would be well. But this one who they looked to as their savior, the one who provided stability and peace, was now deceased. They were perplexed. They were afraid. They were insecure. They really didn't know who to turn to. Isaiah's call and commission is familiar to most of us. As I read it earlier, I know that many of you sort of were able to recite it in your own mind. You remember all those words of Isaiah's having this vision of the Lord high, high and lifted up, of his train filling the temple, of all those beautiful images of this king exalted and sitting on a throne and the fact that Isaiah was given privilege to see this. He saw the seraphs above him having six wings, and with two they covered their eyes, and with two their feet, and with two they would fly. And as he watched this, he also knew that 
One called out to another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And as he did, the pivots on the thresholds shook. It was such a, a powerful presence. And the voice was such a strong and booming kind of spoken word that it shook the very thresholds and the room was filled with smoke. We think of this happening and if it happened to us, I don't know exactly what we would do. We would um, probably be mortified by the fact, just as Isaiah was, of the presence of God being that real. The point is, it is that real. That God is present with us in the same way that he was present with Isaiah. And he knows us fully as he knew Isaiah. And then Isaiah sees the seraph take the live coal and place it on his lips because Isaiah is so fearful that he is going to die. For he has seen the Lord, the Lord God Almighty. And to see that the brilliant glory of the Lord would surely mean his death. And he said, woe is me for I am unclean and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. The coal, as it touched his lips, he heard the voice say that because this coal has touched your lips, you are cleansed, your sins are forgiven. And then he heard those words that I think every Christian is afraid to hear. The Lord said to him, who will go for us? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah was called to a, to a mission that was not an easy one. If you read on in the chapter, you'll see. And uh, it's one that is um, delivering a message that is pretty painful to deliver. But in reality, I think we all face those same kind of dilemmas just as we studied in Sunday school this morning about how we live by the spirit or choose not to live by the spirit now I didn't have the benefit of being blessed by the knowledge of the some of the other Sunday school classes but we did our best and as we did we learned or we talked about the struggles we have and it seems as though from most people that I've talked with that one reason we fail to live by the spirit is it means that Maybe we feel unworthy, but beyond that, we really don't want God to call upon us to change anything. If we, if we do what God asks us, will it really mean that we can have to change? Does it mean that we'll have to do something differently than we've done it in the past? We always assume that, I believe, because we think that our mind and our understanding is fully enlightened. We believe that we have equal, in some ways, equal intelligence with that of God. And therefore, what we see as the future has to be equivalent to what he sees as future. And therefore, it can be detrimental to our being, being willing to follow. It's frightening. When Isaiah had this vision, he saw the holiness and the purity of God. 
and he realized his unworthiness and his sinfulness. But God graciously stoops to meet him. And God graciously stoops down to meet us. And God forgives us of those things that make us feel unworthy and cleanses us in the same way that Isaiah was cleansed and restores us and we are forgiven. The theologian Reinhold Niebuhr says that the the Christian doctrine of sin is probably the only doctrine that's self-evident because anyone, almost anyone, even if they're not a Christian, understands that humans sin. We do things that hurt other people. We say things that hurt, hurt other people. When one comes face to face with God in a very personal way, the reality of that unworthiness is evident. And because of that, we, like Isaiah, feel as though we have gotten to a place in life that we are about to be overcome with the weight of all that is before us, all that has been done in the past, all that is before us. But in reality, it is in that moment that we see the beginning. First, the, the, the ending of that old is the beginning of that which is new. Will Willimon, the recent bishop of the um, Northern Conference of um, United Methodist Church in Alabama, currently dean of the uh, chapel at Duke Divinity School, says that the most important decision in Christian theology is to decide whether you will speak of God as a person or as a concept, as a name or as an idea. And if we talk about God, to use an existential name for it is that ultimate reality, we get a safe but dead abstraction that you, you can utilize in whatever particular effort in salvation you want to choose. But when you name God as Father, Abba, or Mother, whatever you choose to name God, if you name God as a being, as a person, it changes things. You name God as Son. You name God as Holy Spirit. And if we do that, it's not just something that's abstract and far and distant. Now, now you begin a journey and God moves you into the world. Look again at those, the way that Charlotte Methan described the Trinity, saying that Trinity is considering, maybe looking at the Trinity, considering God's activities is a better way. That God creates the world, giving us life. God redeems each of us, bearing our pain. And God calls each of us and sends us out to love the world. When Bonnie was doing the children's lesson, I was thinking, you know, that's a a real story of good news, bad news. Just like Isaiah had. To know that you have to give away all those things that he prized. This fish, his most prized possessions, those colorful scales had to be given away in order to be one that cared for those around him. This is too what it is for us to be a follower of Christ. When 
Isaiah was sent out. He was sent out to deliver a message, to love the world. In his case, love the world in some very harsh terms. We're called to go out as Christ agents, as Christ ambassadors, as those who are filled with the Spirit, who, are, who go forth to minister and care for the world in which we live. You know, we've all, well, not all of us, but many of us have been around for a long time. And we've been in this city for a long time. We've been in this church for a long time. And I dare say that every person here has some hopes and desires and dreams that you would like to see done through this church, this family of faith. It's stated in our mission statement of building an inclusive community of grace, but it's more than that. It is to touch those lives around us in ways that will bring wholeness because the love of God flows through us. Is it demanding? Yes. You know, the, in whatever way you, would, you see this particular person, I think there's a lot to learn from his life. Is now deceased. But in the summer of 1974, I was, a, I was a rising senior in high school, and I remember that first part of the summer was totally consumed with Watergate hearings. Do you remember them? On TV every day. Ended in about mid, uh, end of June, I think, that year. But there was one person who everyone knew was a mean person. Chuck Colson. He was mean. He was the hatchet man. He did a lot of terrible things, but he had a conversion. And yes, I know, just like you, I thought, well, this is not going to last. It's got to be just one of those to reduce the sentence. But he tells about his conversion and how transformative it was and how utterly unworthy of anything he realized he really was. He found himself unable to drive away from his friend's house after he had heard these words that cut deep to, the, to his heart. And then he goes on to say how he, for over an hour, cried out to God to transform him. And then he went on to say from that next morning to this day, and when he, this day of this interview back in 2011, he said, I never looked back. He founded the prison fellowship that was well, has been well received and really called great attention to the, to the um, terrible state of some of the prisons and the um, limitations for those who were incarcerated. But he said, I've never looked, never looked back. And he also said this, which is hard to believe, that the worst day of the last 35 years, the worst day, has been better than the best days of the first 41 years of my life. Now, here was a person who was counsel to the president because he said for the last 35 years, whether in pain, suffering, in joy, or jubilation, it makes no difference. I've known there was a purpose. I have known that I belong to Christ and that I am here on earth to advance his kingdom. I think the the real important part of that is that God does not confront us and come to us and enable us to see ourselves as we really are, to chastise us, 
to beat us down, but rather to reveal to us that we can be made whole. And what he does in and through us is relieve the burdens that we carry. Opens our eyes to the futility of a life lived in trying to prove our worth, but just to accept the grace gift and to know that as we do, that not only are we have been created and we're redeemed, but we are called forth to go into the world and to share the love of God. That's all. And to do it as God guides us. So what do you desire to see in your own life? What do you desire to see through your church? It is a matter of listening. And once we hear, to be willing to sacrifice and to go forward, to see mission as something that we are, not that we do. Would you pray with me, please? Loving Lord, we come before you with grateful hearts. We know that as you called Isaiah, that you also call us to be on mission, to be missional, to know that that is who we are. Strengthen us, guide us, help us in all ways. And we trust, O oh Lord, that as we call out to you, you restore us, forgive us, and make us whole. In your holy name I pray, amen. We come to our hymn of dedication, hymn of promise, number 483. Hark the voice of Jesus calling. And if you haven't made a decision to follow Christ, to receive that grace gift, or maybe you want to be a member here, be a part of this family of faith, then you come and meet me here at the front. Or if there are prayers that you want to offer for you, for you your family, or your, your church family, or anyone else, come and I'll meet you here and we will pray to that end.
let us pray. Most gracious God, we gather today with gladness in the fact that we know your presence, a presence that we can draw upon in sadness and joy. We are grateful that we have found this place of worship where we can share our innermost thoughts and prayers. At this time, as we ponder together, we remember the teachings of your son Jesus. May we, by his example, extend our own love by giving of time and resources. We ask for blessings upon this community as we grow together. Amen. Loving Lord, we bring these tithes and offerings into your house. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would bless them and multiply them, that we would be able to use them to carry your love to this community and beyond. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Would you be seated for just a moment, please? Just a couple of things to announce. We have the um, usual activities this week, including uh, our Wednesday night. Through the month. We'll carry that through June. However, on our Thursday e evening um, gathering, the communion service, 
This Thursday is going to be our last one until we meet again in July. So there'll be a time to gather once a week, at least in June and July, whether on Wednesday or Thursday. There are some couple of other announcements too. One in particular, and that is that the children um, in the church or of the church are doing a, a special mission project, and that is going to be done primarily. They're going to pull all that together next week. We'll have a full list in the updates this week of all the things but i think basically it's uh sidewalk chalk and things to what all else all things things that children might use if they were playing in the summer and for a vacation bible school kind of uh, thing they're going to be doing this in conjunction with the ywca um, and it'll be a great great service project great mission project and they will go and oh, i'm sorry And if you want to stay next Sunday after church, they're going to assemble all of this together, have it ready to be uh, delivered there to the, to the YWCA. Hmm? At the end of the month. But it will be delivered there. So um, if you want to bring some things for that, you can check with Kay. Obviously, she knows all about it. So if you want to check with her, uh, she can give you more information than I could give you right now. But that will be going on this month. So um, as we go out, we are children of God. We're called to be those representatives of Christ wherever we go. And so we go forth as missionaries, basically, of God's love. To carry that love wherever we are, whomever we see, in the various places of work, home, community. Would you stand now as we pray? And now may... The love of God the Father, the grace of Christ our Savior, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.